0: What's up guys, you're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 31 and congrats guys. We've knocked down another book and we finished our first 30 day cycle. This is encouraging to me because there's only 12 months in a year. So if we can do this one month, we can do this 11 more months. And I'm excited to look at the book of Leviticus with you because Most people who make it out of Exodus tend to not make it out of Leviticus. And so if we could get through this book, we are way ahead of the pack. You're doing something that 90% of most Christians never accomplish in their lives. It is my desire for Leviticus to become highly devotional to you. My goal is for you to walk away saying, how could I ever stop reading at this book? I actually can't wait to get through Leviticus now and worship God through this text. This is my prayer and this is my goal. So let's unlock this book. Now, my first assignment is to prove to you that you need Leviticus. And I tried to do that with how Exodus ended. Do you remember how the book ended? Yeah, it ended with Moses not being able to enter the tabernacle. And Exodus proved to you that there's a need for holiness. And guess what the theme of Leviticus is? Holiness. And I don't want you to take my word for it. Listen to some of the verses in Leviticus. Leviticus eleven forty four, 44. Consecrate yourselves and be holy for I am holy. 45. I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall be holy. 19.2. Speak to all of the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I am holy. Twenty seven, consecrate yourselves. Therefore be holy for I am the Lord, your God. Twenty two, twenty six, you shall be holy to me for I am the Lord. I am holy and have separated you from the people that you should be mine. Had enough yet? You get the picture. Let's give you one more for the road. Twenty one eight, you shall sanctify him. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord who sanctify you, am holy. That's the theme of our book. Now remember, the law is meant to teach. So now we're about to continue to learn the law. The first five chapters, we learn about the sacrificial system. Now, to learn the sacrificial system, you have to remember the three categories that we talked about. God gave Israel their purpose, then they gave them their language, and then he gave them his presence. This is category number two. This is their language. The law, the sacrificial system is a language, it's a language within a language. And so, if we don't learn these first five chapters, we're going to be lost not only in Leviticus, but in any time sacrifices are brought up. And the five are Number one, the burnt offering. Number two, the grain offering. Number three, the peace offering. Number four, the sin offering. And number five, the guilt offering. These are the five main sacrifices. If you don't get these down, the main ingredients of the sacrificial system, you'll be lost not only in the book of Leviticus, but anytime the sacrificial system is brought up, it'll confuse you because They don't just name these individual sacrifices every time. Sometimes they mix two together or they may mix three together or they may jumble them up. And you'll have to know what each one of them does because that's communicating something. I think a good analogy to help us understand this is like food ingredients. It's like the basic ingredients to make breakfast. You would need eggs, butter, milk, flour, and sugar. And from that, you can do a lot. You can take the eggs themselves and scramble them or boil the egg. You can take all of it and put it together and make a pancake. You can take the milk by itself and just drink the milk. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is how the sacrificial system will work. And if they're putting five of them together, you'll have to know what specific purpose that's accomplishing, or if they put two together you'll know what that's accomplishing. So chapter one, the whole burnt offering. This is an offering where everything is burned and it represents total dedication and consecration. This one is very important. Remember uh, all of these will point to Christ in some way. So if we can get the understanding of these sacrifices in this time, in this era, we can see better how they point to Christ. I'll read verse three. It says that if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it a male without defect. He shall offer it at the doorway of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering that it may be acceptable for him and to make atonement on his behalf. So this helps us that sacrifices make atonement. And remember what we talked about, this is a model. This is a administrating covenant and a model. The actual sacrifice of the animal does not atone for your sins, but it gives you life within the system and you'll be in right standing relational with God within that system, just like the tutor that we talked about. But in order to have your soul saved eternally, you will have to look to what this sacrifice And this law points to verse two tells us it's an animal from the herd or the flock, a cattle, a sheep, or a goat. And so this is why we'll see words like you lamb or ram. And I don't know how many country folk listen to me, but got to do this for the city folk. So if you see you, that's a female sheep. If you see ram, that's a male sheep for cattle. If you see heifer. It's referring to a female cow. And if you see bull it's referring to a male and for goats, this is just for entertainment purposes, because the Bible does not use these terms, but the male goat is called a billy. So we get billy goat from or book, just like a deer and a female goat is called a doe or a nanny. And notice in verse three, you're to offer without blemish. That points to Christ, right? Because he was the spotless, sinless lamb, the perfect lamb offered up for us. So you're to do that in the model to be in right standing within this system. But if you look at to what that points to the promise, they wouldn't have known the name Jesus, but they would have known the promise. They would have known a lot of things about Christ without knowing his birth name. So notice in verse four, why do you lay your hand on the head? This is the act of transferring of the worshippers sin to the actual sacrifice of the animal. And it was likely done with the prayer of repentance and a request of forgiveness. In verse five and six, he shall slay. This is very vivid and notice that the person offering the sacrifice killed and butchered the animal, not the priest. You got to catch that in the text. Look at what a person has to go through. It's gruesome. It's showing them what the effects of their sin cost them. And not only that, they had to purchase these animals. It affects your bank account. Your bank account drops when you sin. And so you're feeling it from all angles. Verse 8 tells us that they would put on the altar and they would burn it. This is why it's called a whole burnt offering because everything is burned and offered up to the Lord. But notice 14. But if his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, he shall bring his offering from the turtle doves or from young pigeons. We don't see it here, but Leviticus 12, 8, clues us in that this has to do with financial status. God is being gracious to say, if you can't afford something from the herd that I mentioned before, You can use a turtle dove and look at the graciousness of our Father just making provisions for everyone. And if this didn't trigger your mind, I'll help you. Guess what Jesus' parents brought when they brought him to the temple? They brought a turtle dove. This shows that Jesus was born in poverty. His family brought the poorest offering, which is a turtle dove. This shows that he is from a very poor family. You can go look at that in Luke 2, 22 through 24. And a grain offering in chapter 2. So a grain offering is an offering of thanksgiving for God's provision. Specifically what? You guessed it. Grain. A portion was for the priest to eat, and a portion was for God to be burned to him. The portion to God is called the memorial portion. Look at verse 2. And the priest shall offer it up in smoke as a memorial portion on the altar, an offering by fire, a soothing aroma to the Lord. And here is what I was mentioning. The remainder of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons, the thing most holy of the offering to the Lord by fire. So this is a tribute from a faithful worshiper to his divine overlord. And remember when we talked about treaties, what's our treaty, a suzerain vassal treaty, when that was made, the conquered nations, which are the vassals, were expected to bring their tribute to their great king. And God uses this model for his glory and makes it holy. Verse 13 says that every grain is to be seasoned with salt. And so the use of salt is going to become a theme in the Bible. And the use of salt is seen in many ancient covenants. The Greeks and the Arabs are known to have eating salt together when they concluded covenants. And in the Old Testament, salt is connected with covenants on two occasions, Numbers 18-19 and 2 Chronicles 13-15. The covenant of salt means an internal covenant. There's also symbolism here. Salt represents permanence. This act represents a permanence of loyalty to a covenant. And so we see again, not only in verse 2, but in verse 16, that the priest shall offer up in smoke its memorial portion with all its incense as an offering by fire to the Lord. And in chapter 3, we get the peace offering. A peace offering is a fellowship offering. In fact, Paul uses this language of the sacrificial system because he knows Jesus fulfills it. He talks about it often, but I'll clue you in on a, a time he talks about it. In Romans 5, when it says... Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul, what he's doing there, he's building off of the sacrificial system. He's saying, you don't have to operate in a system to be in right standing with God. You can be in right standing with him eternally because Christ has given a sin offering for you and a peace offering for you. And now we can have fellowship with God on the basis of it. And so Romans will even come alive to you if you take the time to get Leviticus down. And in this offering, you sacrifice an animal from the flock. Some goes to the priest and some goes to the worshiper. And in verse 16, it says, the priest shall offer them up in smoke on the altar as food an offering by fire for a smooth aroma. So the nature of this meal is a fellowship meal. It's like celebrating your relationship and peace with God and with each other. The best thing that comes to my mind is a family reunion or a barbecue. But notice in verse 16, it says that the fat belongs to the Lord. And we joked about this before because that's the best part. The Lord wants the best part of the meal. And we talked about it in joke before people even today love either the fat or the part around the fat because they say it's the most seasoned. And so you couldn't have that under this covenant. But I know a lot of people are praising the Lord today that they can have their part of the meat. And so we're going to leave off here and we have two left, the sin offering and the guilt offering. And I want you to notice something, that all sacrifices aren't for sin. A lot of people don't pick this up. The first three are for worship, and the last two are for sin. What this tells us is that God is just as concerned about worship as he is about dealing with sin. You can even make the argument that he's more concerned about worship than dealing with sin. He will deal with sin, but he desires to be worshipped. And this should be encouragement to us, which is why Romans 12, 1-2 makes the argument, Therefore, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Be a worshiper. Christ died once and for all, so we know we don't sacrifice ourselves on an altar. What do we do? You give yourself away daily as an act of worship to God. You are now the daily sacrifice he wants. That's your spiritual service. So, beloved, remember, God wants you holy. God has separated and consecrated you for his purposes. So, worship him. Be an authentic and true worshiper. Give your life to him daily as a living sacrifice and deal with sin. We'll talk about that next time. And it's something in those texts that will surprise you. We'll close with 1 Peter 1 15 through 60. But just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in your behavior, because it is written, guess where? We're right in the book. You shall be holy for I am holy. Where do you think Peter is quoting? You are reading your Bible well because he's quoting Leviticus. Let's not skip Leviticus. You can't fully understand the salvation you have until you understand this book. Let's tackle it together, guys. See you next time as we cover day 32, chapters 4 through 6.